podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Five countries have lifted the trophy in the history of the Men's Cricket World Cup. On Sunday, we will have our sixth. It will be England v New Zealand in the showpiece final at Lords, after Owen Morgan's side produced a near-perfect performance to brush aside Australia at Edgbaston. Thrilling with the new ball, electric in the field and fearless with the bat, the hosts wrapped up an eight-wicket win with almost 18 overs to spare. Chris Wokes and Joffre Archer set the tone by taking out the dangerous opening pair of David Warner and Aaron Finch, before a rejuvenated Adil Rashid struck three times to stall Australia's fight back. Needing 2-2-4 for victory, Jason Roy and Johnny Bairstow rattled off their 400 partnership in succession, Roy playing some extraordinary shots in his innings of 85 and Ash's call-up surely await. Fittingly, it was Owen Morgan who took his team home, the captain smearing Jason Berendorf to the boundary to take England through to their first World Cup final for 27 years. Welcome to the Wisden Cricket Daily Podcast in partnership with Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. I'm your host, Joe Harmon. Beside me is Phil Walker, but first we're going to hear from Lawrence Booth, editor of the Wisden Almanac and cricket writer for the Daily Mail, who was at Edgebaston to witness a very special performance from England. Uh, Lawrence, in a World Cup semi-final, you couldn't really ask for a better performance than that from England, could you? It's pretty much faultless. It was indeed, yeah. We, we spoke to Owen Morgan after the game and asked him if that was his, his best performance since he's taken over as captain. And he said it came close to it, which is about as uh, far as players are generally prepared to go in the, these circumstances, especially with the final coming up. But yeah, they, they nailed it from the start. Uh, 14 for three. It was Australia had to spend most of their innings rebuilding. And then um, Roy and Bairstow coming out and hitting their fourth successive opening stand of 100. There, there was no way back for Australia from there. So to produce the perfect performance in a semi-final against a team that's never previously lost a World Cup semi-final was really quite something. We all knew how important Finch and Warner are to this Australian side. So for England to start like they did, Wokes and Archer both bowling brilliant new ball spells was was absolutely key to what followed, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about Roy and Bairstow in this World Cup, and rightly so, but actually Finch and Warner had uh, had outscored them, I mean, probably because Roy had missed three games, but, but nonetheless, they were they were pretty well the key to Australia. They have been throughout this tournament. There's been a suspicion that Australia's middle order uh, is slightly vulnerable. Um, so to, to get, uh, for Joffre Archer to get Finch with his first ball and then Wokes to add Warner, um, and then of course Peter Hanscom didn't didn't survive long. I mean, it made up for the disappointing performance against Australia at Lords when England bowled first in cloudy conditions. They won the toss that time, perhaps a bit of extra pressure on the bowlers. They bowled the wrong lengths, uh, and England clearly learnt from that. Um, it looked like a good, a good toss to win for Australia because I think it was a pretty good pitch as England mm. showed later. So to so to nail their length straight away, get rid of Australia's two, you know, most destructive batsmen, I would say, um, without troubling the scorers was was absolutely massive, and, and they never looked back after. Uh, While the seamers have all been excellent throughout the World Cup, Al Rashid's had a slightly trickier time of it. Hasn't been quite at his best, but I thought Owen Morgan used him um, really well today. Kept him going when he could have easily taken him off, and then he got that reward with two key wickets and then the third one at the end there. Yeah, I mean, Kerry and Smith played really well to to turn it round, added 100 for the fourth wicket, and England were were slightly searching for a breakthrough at that point. And as you say, Morgan stuck with Rashid. I mean, he's shown confidence in him throughout the four-year cycle. Um, Rashid always says that Morgan's the best captain he's played under and sure enough it paid off he got Kerry playing a a fairly careless shot actually to to deep mid-wicket and then uh, a few balls later Stoinis completely misread or didn't read at all that the googly he was plumb and then and then Rashid got Cummins with another googly 10 overs later so his best figures in the World Cup and, and what a time to do it I thought Morgan had a good day in the field generally the way he used Archer as well he brought him back for a couple of overs which you'd expect but then Rather than taking him off when he didn't get a wicket in that first two overs, he, he kept him on for a third and then a fourth and 
got that key wicket of Maxwell, who is probably the, the one player who could have perhaps taken Australia to a really imposing total. Yeah, that's right. And it was a it was a skillful delivery, wasn't it? A knuckle yeah. ball. It, first of all, you, you saw it, and it was it was up it was seam up and eighty miles an hour. And we all thought, oh, it's just stuck in the pitch. But when you had another look at it, it was it was incredibly skillful. So Maxwell was completely done by that. And yeah, you're also right that he. he kept him on which I thought was a brave decision he decided to go for broke knowing that he had guys like Wokes and Wood and Plunkett up his sleeve for the final 10 overs I mean Archer one of his great skills has been the death but Morgan decided that actually he's going to keep Australia quiet going into those last few overs and it worked a treat so brave captaincy from Morgan today and you know it was one of those days where everything worked yeah Uh, and then with the bat any suggestions that chasing 220 odd in a semi-final uh, well, Roy and Besto kind of made a mockery of that the way they came out and particularly attacked Mitchell Stark who's been so brilliant in this tournament so far Yeah, it was incredible um, You know, Berendorf and Stark uh, took nine wickets against England in that game at Lords, where, where the ball swung around and, and you know, from the second ball when Vince played around that Berendorf in-swinger they were in to- total control of England's batsmen this was this was the opposite. Um, England attacked them from the start. Uh, the ball didn't swing quite as much. I think that was always the hope at Edgbaston that, that, that Australia's left arm bowlers wouldn't be quite as destructive as, as they were at Lords. And England had kind of got into a different mindset when they played Australia at Lords. They were still coming off the back of that defeat by Sri Lanka, and Morgan's alluded to that a couple of times about they hadn't shaken that out of their system. Played poorly at Lords. This time they're on the back of you know victories over India and New Zealand. They felt the momentum was going their way. Besto and Roy were back. Um, it, it just all felt like it was a bit of a perfect storm for England in that sense and yeah what Stark went for eight or nine and over which was unheard of I mean he he took his 27th wicket of the tournament which is a World Cup record but that will be of no consolation he was spanked all over the park and the way Roy played in particular he played some extraordinary shots the first ball six uh, off sorry off off Lyons first ball straight back over his head three consecutive sixes off Steve Smith one of them was about as big a six as I think I've ever seen that went back into the third tier there was a lot of talk on the commentary about Jason Roy now being a shoe in the ashes he's got to play hasn't he at this stage I think he has. I mean, to be honest, I don't think there was much doubt before this World Cup. I, mean, no. I think he just had to have a, a reasonable World Cup to force his way into the uh, in, into the Ashes reckoning. You know, it won't always come off in, in Red Bull cricket against a very good Australian opening attack. But if he can, you know, change a couple of games early on, then and he wins you one test match out of five he'll have done his job I mean he you know he was furious when he was given out he shouldn't have reacted like that and who knows what the match referee will will say about that but he he was on course for you know 130 not out wasn't he he was just looking in sublime form and like you say the way he treated Steve Smith um, it was with contempt really I mean Finch threw the ball to Smith in the hope that he might induce an error Uh, and the first six cleared long on by you know a few feet it was not much not by much some breaths were sort of um, you know, held in in the in the, in the media centre when that yeah. happened. But the, as you say, the third one. I mean, if that had headed for the media centre, it would have hit the glass. And I've never seen a six do that at Edgbaston. It, it, it went to the right of the press box, but it was still on the rise as it flew past. I mean, it was beautifully clean hitting. So a shame he couldn't have gone on to a hundred. But he, by that stage, he'd, he'd knocked the stuffing out of Australia anyway. Uh, and just finally, Lawrence, obviously New Zealand in the final on Sunday. Uh, England beat them very comfortably or pretty comfortably in that group stage victory but New Zealand didn't have a whole lot riding on it at that stage semi-final was pretty much assured do you expect the Kiwis to give uh, England a sterner test than Australia did did today? Well you, you think so um, you know I was, at, I was in Manchester for the New Zealand semi-final against India and no one gave them a prayer going into that, that second day because of course it rained on the first they used the reserve day but they showed what can happen if, if the conditions are in their favour Trent Bolt is world class Matt Henry had one of his, his best games of the tournament and, and Lockie Ferguson was excellent and Mitchell Sant was a serious operator you know they, they do rely a bit on Kane Williamson's runs um, and Ross Taylor came into a bit of form with 70 in that game so they're, they're an extremely dangerous side um, 
England would, would have taken a final against New Zealand at the start of the tournament, but there's no way they're going to underestimate them. Um, neither team have ever won a World Cup, so you know nerves are going to play a part, and it's whoever holds them most will be lifting that trophy, but what an exciting prospect for both of them. All to look forward to. Uh, thanks ever so much for joining us, Lawrence. I know you've got deadlines to meet, um, and, uh, well, no doubt we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks, Joe. Speak soon. Cheers. So that was Lawrence's thoughts on uh, an amazing victory today. Now we turn to, to Phil Walker. <laughs> Phil, it seems a very long time ago that you called me at Lords, having watched England get turned over. Uh, we're in the doldrums. We thought England's tournament was pretty much over or heading that way, wondering who was going to buy our next magazine. <laughs> and suddenly, two weeks on, just two weeks on, uh, the whole thing has turned full circle and England have put together a, an incredible run of three brilliant performances capped today by an astonishing win over Australia, really. Yeah. Yeah, Chris Wokes said afterwards, two weeks ago, we were done. We were pretty much out really? two weeks ago. Yeah, uh, he's increasingly to the point, Chris Wokes. I want to come to him in detail as soon as possible. Um, my love for him is a love for his supreme. Yeah, it, as you say, it was as, as near damn it perfect as you can get, really. Um, and they played with such verve and such front foot, up front guts as well. And, and it was everything that we've we've wanted to believe about this team. But our Englishness, however you want to put it, that inbuilt thing has held us back. Held us back. Certainly it's held me back from fully, fully believing it. I now believe it. I'm, a, I'm an utter convert after what I saw today. Um, I've been saying hopelessly and rather pathetically for, for months, come the semi-final, they'll face India or Australia and then you'll really see. And I said it with a with a little tremor, tremor in the voice, you know. But now, now we've we've witnessed the real, true, true England side here. It will take something remarkable uh, from Kane Williamson and Ross Taylor if England are not going to be world champions on Sunday night. All remarkable from England uh, in the opposite manner. Always that. Always there that. is always that. Yeah, it's, it struck me today that the manner of the win today really confirms what we kind of all thought or thought we knew um, before the start of this tournament, that when England are on song, no one in the world can live with them. They're, they're, they're too good. They've got too many match winners. They've got too much pace. They've got too much power. When they're at their best teams can't play them and that was shown today Australia I know I mean people said Australia at the start of this tournament weren't necessarily the strongest side and some of those weaknesses were kind of shown glaringly today but they have won what eight out of nine seven out of nine group games yep um, look like they're going to top the group and today they've been absolutely blown away yeah outplayed Mitchell and- Stark the leading wicket taker in the tournament ridiculous World Cup record was made to look very ordinary by Roy and Bairstow yeah Finch held his hands up he said he'd been totally outplayed by the better team mm. today as Joe Root rather cannily said from ball two we were irresistible today you know we, <laughs> yeah. we, we, we were unstoppable after Warner ball two. crashed uh, Wokes through the covers yeah. for four in the, with the first ball indeed yeah. indeed um, it, look we, we, we can we can start anywhere that's, this is the beauty of this performance. We could begin on on ball two. We could begin with with Wokes and how he uh, he pulled it back. Uh, we could begin with Joffre Archer's first ball, first ball to to Aaron Finch. You know, a kind of break back into his pads. We could we could dwell on him almost knocking out Alex Carey with just another terrifying bumper, and and we could talk for days about Joffre Archer's skill, that knuckle ball to get rid uh, of Glenn Maxwell. I mean, you could write a syllabus on that thing. Well, I've got. An- I've got another moment for my moment of the day, but do you want to do you want to pick one of those out for your moment of the day, or just reel off every? <laughs> Normally every we single... plan this. We it's do, been a yeah. rather emotional day. Maybe because I'm incapable of thinking past the last thing I just said. I'm I'm going to go for that that Maxwell ball because yeah. I think w- w- we can talk about Jason Roy later on. Uh, but that that moment in the game 
there were there were a number of moments in that innings, but that moment in particular, Maxwell was looking good. Maxwell is obviously a dangerous player, and Smith was bedded down on at the other end, and I thought played pretty well today. Uh, he was twenty from twenty, I think, Maxwell, uh, and he was just starting to open up, just like starting to look comfortable. And there's always been that sense with Maxwell that there is a big innings in him, there is a definitive innings in him. Archer was brought back for one specific role, uh, and that delivery, when you watch it slow motion as well, and you are trying your best with a microscope to discern what this bloke is doing you still can barely see it if you're looking from Maxwell's position he rolls his fingers his middle two fingers down the back of the ball at the very last second and by the time he does that the ball is already facing the batsman so he does it behind the ball so you don't get any clue you don't get any tell as a player now when he's wanging it down at 92 mile an hour most of the time anyway and then suddenly with no discernible change in the action whatsoever it's 20 mile an hour slower than that Mm. Uh, Steve Smith shrugged his shoulders and gave, gave Maxwell a serious look well did, I'm, so, I'm he? sorry he said something to him as yeah well. it looked like yeah I think it was but I think he missed the fact that it was that knuckleball as well as as did everyone in the commentary box initially it looked yeah. like a kind of a, a weak shot from Maxwell it, indeed it's because it, he is so brilliant at it uh, that there is no there's no clue he just doesn't show you anything he is a genius really and it's, those, it's th- as big as big as that I would go that far I don't think I've seen an England new ball bowler demonstrate this level of skill uh, and in, in someone so pure and young as well and we've we've heard this before he emerged as an England cricketer people like Chris Jordan saying he's the most naturally talented cricketer he's ever played with and Jordan's played with some some of the modern greats in, in the IPL yep this is, and he's he's not the only one. I mean, Asa Hussein said, in any other circumstance, you don't add to your World Cup squad at this time. England have been so successful. But there, this is an exceptional circumstance. Yeah. Joffre Archer is an exceptional circumstance and has to be in there. And we've seen, uh, people have seen more of him than me in the IPL. So that knuckleball is a new ball that he's developed as well. That's not something... Well, he used to had. have an off-cutter, right? Yeah. So, so he, he had an off-cutter that was easy to discern. So he's just developed this one. Uh, and apparently he gets everything just so quickly. So a coach says, why don't you try this? And he's kind of got it in an instance, which is, which is so, I mean, it's, it's so impressive but it's also exciting about what more could come the bloke's 24 he's yeah. only played a handful of one day internationals he's got a test debut coming in a few weeks no doubt uh, about it yeah the uh anything can happen in this in this guy's career and i mean we haven't necessarily seen the best of his fielding i think he's meant to be a stunning stunning fielder or his, or and, and his batting as well yeah. so there is plenty more to come which is uh, a very exciting prospect if you're an england fan yeah he's an absolute dream and him and him and chris wokes i mean that that is just a a hilariously beautiful partnership, really. I mean, you couldn't get two characters who are who are more more different uh, in style, appearance, and what they say. Uh, but Wokes, I mean, th- there are a few more heartening stories in English cricket, really. Wokes has been around this side now for seven or eight years. I think he made his T20 debut in 2011, so he's he's a pretty seasoned international cricketer now. Um, he's had two stints in the IPL. He's made a lot of money through that, and yet he's still he's still in that category where he creeps up on you or has been doing that. Slowly, I, I spoke to, to friends of mine before the tournament who have not been following granularly how it's been playing out in, in one day cricket. And they said, "Oh, well, Wokes, you know, he might go the distance. You know, when push comes to shove, his record over the last three years has been outstanding in one day." I cricket. saw a couple of established writers saying he might not make the fifteen for, yeah. the, for, the, for the tournament, it's, which is it's nonsense, which, which is obviously ridiculous, but shows just how under the radar he does go sometimes. But I don't think that narrative is obviously true of Wokes. I don't think that's true in this World Cup. I think he is not getting getting the credit that he deserves finally. Uh, because he's doing it pretty much, it every, pretty much every single game. He gets that breakthrough. Yeah. Uh, he comes back. Uh, he doesn't. 
doesn't go for that many at the end generally he's there's the odd day where he goes for a few but but that happens to literally every single bowler in, in the world I, I think there's a, there's been a subtext with Wokes that because he's he's so self-effacing and because he's so pretty and because he's nice and amenable and because his action is so flawless technically that in its perfection it kind of lacks a little bit of the devil that you get with quick bowlers there's a kind of sense of danger and wildness with you know, proper quick bowlers Wokes can sling it down there fast enough but he does it so immaculately that I think he has been underestimated I think that combination of doing things very very well technically and being lovely and unassumingly pleasant I think has contributed to us uh, to not really recognising just what fair. a tough gnarled cricketer he is and I just at the risk of ranting sorry but I do love the man he bowled three maidens in a row against India yeah, right? against, against against Sharma and Nick to, and got caught and, and bowled uh, and Kohli Rool. And, and, and against Kohli as well he's bowling at two arguably the two greatest yeah. one day batsmen of the modern yeah. era that's three it. maidens so one for naught off three against India in the crunch game and then took a worldie at deep mid wicket you know I mean this is a cricketer that all bets are off now I mean the bloke turns up he turns up when push comes to shove you know he's a cricketer that you can hang your hat on now and you saw it again today um, I thought the way he came back against Warner because Warner looked good didn't he you know he looked, he looked he looked like he was on it you know and he was moving yeah. into the ball those two drives oh he hit right, wokes over his head one bounce four he was moving far better than he was at the first half of the tournament uh, and so to pull it back and then that beautiful kind of late late dipping away swinger to the left hand a good catch by Bairstow that was when you, you started to think oh my word right so these two gun openers have both gone for Norton and 9 and although Australia will never go gently uh, England never really let up either yeah uh, you describe I lost you a bit there no 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 you, you, I, was, I was with you I was with you throughout uh, just waiting for you don't have any choice no I was waiting for my moment of the day sorry what is your moment of the day Joe so you talk about Archer being a genius I've, another of England's geniuses I've picked out today is Joss Butler who has had a relatively oh, what? quiet nutmeg. yeah a relatively quiet World Cup by his standards to, to that brilliant catch uh, against New Zealand, which was kind of the the first thing he's really kind of grabbed a grabbed a real moment in the game since that hundred against Pakistan, and mm-hmm. I still think we might see something pretty special from him in the final. It would just be kind of the, the, what Joss does, but um, yeah, the, the nutmeg today to, to get Steve Smith. So I mean, you've, you've probably all, all seen it, but he had the opportunity potentially to run out Stark, who was coming to the uh, to the strikers' end. Decided whether he thought he wouldn't run him out or whether he thought Smith the wicket to get here. We don't know, mm. but he held it uh, with Smith between him and the stumps uh, and managed to get it between his legs <laughs> yeah. uh, and then knock, knock back middle stump which if it was anyone else I'd just think that's just fluke and Ian Bishop said for the un- uninitiated he didn't mean to do that because it's Butler, I was thinking, has he has he actually meant that? Has he possibly meant that? And I kind of mean that. Could, could you possibly, could you could you do that deliberately? It's not impossible with him. Uh, certainly one thing that he did unquestionably do was pause. You know, in a clutch moment like that, yeah. he just paused and he weighed up his options uh, and then he delivered. And he actually said, you could see, you could lip read him. He said, that's gone through his legs straight to one of the right. fielders as they converged on him. And... Um, it was it was just a marvelous moment. It was it, it reminds me now of the, the the Muhammad Ali punch to to Foreman, where Foreman's going down and he could lay one more on, but he just lets it just 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 fall away for the aesthetic beauty of it. And there was something in in Butler there. He just it, it bent to him. The time bent to him, you know. And Smith was all arms and legs and desperation, and Butler serenely just right. Okay, just between the legs, I'm just gonna arrow that one, and kind of almost lobbed it as well. It wasn't yeah, like yeah. A, a whipped throw. For me, it was that moment that it just it, it just showed 
today England could do no wrong, basically. When, yeah. you're, when you're nutmegging yeah. Australia's best batsman to run yeah. him out from, from that distance. Doesn't it feel uh, brilliant, Jody? Doesn't it? Look, we, we've done, we've done what, weeks and weeks and weeks of this thing. We've written them off half a dozen times. We've written ourselves off half a dozen times. Doesn't it feel stunning? to be able to talk about this cricket team like this. It does, but the thing is, we've been doing this for a while, but just not knowing what it means, what it <laughs> yeah. leads up to, because yeah. if they top the rankings for two, three years, beat everyone out of sight, and then flunk the semi-final, or even worse, don't even make it to the semi-final, then the brutal reality is it doesn't mean very much. Yeah. Hardly anyone would have seen it. Yeah. Um, these guys that we know and are talking about as geniuses would never really rise above the level that cricketers do at the moment in this country yep. and now we've got this opportunity particularly with the, the free to wear aspect of the final now being shown on free to wear because England have got there we've suddenly we've got to that point where we all want it to be yeah. where this was a real opportunity because the reality was people weren't going to be non-cricket fans weren't going to be tuning in in this country to watch Afghanistan England or yep. or yep. even England, England India in a group stage where it still wasn't clear exactly what it meant now we've got to a World Cup final we'll start picking up those sports fans who just watch whatever final they can mm-hmm. uh, and this is the real opportunity for the game that, that we wanted so I'm, I'm so excited for the players and they are from the from the time that I've dealt with them a nice bunch I think they're a likeable team yep. they're certainly a very likeable team in the way they play their cricket um, so it's, it's, it's hugely exciting yeah tell me about Jason Roy Joe yeah well we, I think it's fair to say and we're certainly not alone on this we've been banging the drum for Jason Roy to play test cricket for, for a long time now and I, to be honest it's a bit of a travesty he hasn't in my view if, if you take the comparison of David Warner who was thrown into test cricket having played about 10 first class games without much of a record and has gone on to score what 22 test hundreds I think right Jason Roy is going to be 29 or 30 by the time he makes his test debut mm-hmm. next month that is a lot of wasted opportunity that we've already had and I know his first class figures aren't exceptional or they're actually pretty good and he hasn't had that many opportunities in red ball cricket Mm -hmm. but we really I think the selectors should have had the foresight to see that this is a special special player and whether it works or not same with Morgan a few years ago with Morgan it didn't work and then you moved on but at least we had the opportunity to see it Roy, it's taken too long. And when you see him playing some of the shots that he did today, obviously you've got the you've got the sixes. You've got him launching Steve Smith, which I mentioned to Lawrence was about the cleanest hit I've I've ever seen. Fourth tier, first time ever, apparently, in, in yeah. the fourth yeah. tier of the yeah. new stand at Edgbaston. But the new stand is ten odd years old. Yeah. So the biggest hit to that stand in a decade. But it's those drives through the covers on the up. He just looks like a test cricketer in yeah. that sense. And will it work or will it not? We'll we'll have to see. But uh, I think he's got a lot better chance than a lot of the people we've we've tried over the last few years. Put it that way. Yeah. Look, I, he just looks like a like a ready-made saywag. And I would open with him in the ashes. I wouldn't bat him three. I wouldn't hide him down the order. I would open with him and along, saying, alongside his, his his best best boy, Rory Burns, who I coincidentally interviewed today while while Roy was doing his thing. Uh, you and, said Alex Stewart uh, sort of saying that Roy and Roy and Burns are going to open together. Yeah. Yeah, and, that's, and that seemed more than just his opinion. That seemed yeah. like a... I mean, mine's just a blind opinion he, that he's their boss. Sure. Uh, and obviously has a direct line to the, the you know, corridors of English cricket, yeah. which I as yet don't. Um, I just wanted to say on, on Roy, I was bundle of nerves, as I imagine most people were when they walked out to bat, because you knew if England win the first 10, 12 overs, they'll win the game. But having seen what happened to Australia, knowing that there was a bit of cloud cover, knowing how Stark blew England away two weeks ago, Roy went out to bat and Stark was bowling fast and accurately and Roy middled every every shot that he had to play at in that first over straight back to Stark mm. or to straight mid on. So 
talk about a statement. This is what Ponting used to do. Ponting used to hit hit the, the bowler and he used to hit mid-off and mid-on right at the start or he'd leave it extravagantly and it was all statement stuff. Well, that was Roy today, that first over. Uh, and your boss and mine, Matt Thacker, he was out for a meeting. He came back and I said, I think we'll be all right. He's absolutely nailed in there. He hadn't scored any runs. Mm. Next over, he climbs into a cover drive and he's away. It was just brilliant. It was masterful, I think, really, from Roy. And and there's a real swagger there now. Well, I, I wrote in the piece um, after the game today that there's a kind of Peterson-esque swagger to him. And they're, too, they're, they're quite close. Peterson has uh, kind of pushed, uh, pushed Roy for a long time in Test cricket. And there, so I do think there's similarity and, and the swagger is the thing but actually there's a, there's a kind of a coolness and a kind of containment despite playing these shots that Roy has which Peterson never never really had it yeah. was all at 100 miles an hour yeah. and I'm not talking about scoring rate because Roy scores quicker than Peterson did but it's a, it's a kind of an atti- attitude thing yeah um, Maybe maybe it's, it's unfair to say a hunger thing, but Peterson rose to the big occasion. Uh, Roy just seems to score runs whatever the occasion is. Mm-hmm. And you saw his, his reaction today, which I think has cost him 30% of his yeah. of his match. And, and he was, so he, he was, was just desperate to carry on batting. Wasn't it, and he was right. Well, he wasn't right to react like he did, but he was right in that he wasn't out. Yeah, it, it was it was a bit naughty um, what, what happened there and slightly embarrassing. But I thought uh, old uh, Marais, Marais Erasmus dealt, dealt with it in a very kind of avuncular way. He's he just wandered in from square leg. You've got to go, mate. You've got to go. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was... It was really thrilling stuff. Just just something on the Peterson-Roy thing. Um, many similarities on the pitch. I asked Rory Burns about Jason Roy. Now, Jason Roy introduced Rory Burns to his now wife. Jason Roy is uh, Rory Burns' best man at his wedding. And I said, what's he like? And he said, well, there is a swagger there. There's a swagger, swagger off the pitch as well, but he's also a very sensitive bloke. And he says he's got uh, enormous emotional intelligence. So there are many similarities with Kevin Peterson, but I'm not <laughs> sure it stretches quite as far as that. Sure. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Um, Might want to edit that bit out. Sure. <laughs> I anyway. Also, before I want to talk about Australia kind of briefly. Time is ticking on, but before that, I wanted to talk about. Oh, come Ad- on, I'm enjoying myself. Uh, it's not just about you, though, is it, Phil? No, sure. It's about the listeners. Sure. Um, also, wanted to talk about uh, Adol Rashid, who mm. I talked about this with Lawrence briefly, but he's had a difficult World Cup. Um, a lot of spin of hands. Uh, the top 15 wicket takers in this tournament are all seamers. So. Yep. I'm not saying Rashid has struggled any more than anyone else, but it hasn't been the kind of the, the wickets flowing as they have done for the last four years. Now today he conceded 29 of his first four overs. Most other captains, I think, would have whipped him out of the attack at that point, especially with the seam options that Morgan had at his disposal. I said to, to a colleague, "He's been milked here." He's you, been he, milked. Well, he absolutely was, but he but he kept him going, and then he got Carey with a slightly fortunate caught in the deep when Carey actually had kind of gone got it at a full pelt. He'd have probably cleared the boundary, but then that obviously give, gives Rashid, who is such a confidence player. I know it's a cliche but it's particularly true with Rashid that little bit of energy uh, and then he does Stoinis all, all ends up with a with a googly well notwithstanding that Stoinis is a desperately underwhelming cricketer mm. uh, for an Australian cricketer to bat in the fulcrum of their side and bowl as well he's a very peculiarly uh, underwhelming cricketer but that was a joyous moment wasn't it that was a dream moment that's when you befuddle a batsman quite as extensively as that especially, especially after the tournament we've had and, and particularly the googly hasn't quite been working from as, it, as yeah. it has been then he gets a third with a nice catch from Joe Root to get Pat Cummins and and suddenly Rashid's got a three for he's not gone for too many runs uh, and I'm not saying Morgan was thinking heads of the final by any means but I think it does stand him in really good stead for the final. He's almost the one piece in the jigsaw that hasn't quite come off. Perhaps Butler to an extent, but but he still has got the hundred against Pakistan. Rashid hasn't been at his best, and now he'll go into that he'll go into that uh, final feeling ten feet tall, and that's because of the faith that Morgan has shown in him, which he's continued to do over the last four years. Yeah, I I echo that entirely. Uh, I felt for him a little bit 
he's definitely been working against his, his dodgy shoulder. And he doesn't have his mate there either. Moeen is not bowling alongside yeah. him, you know, which does make a difference. He's, well, he said so himself. He's a mate. Has he? Yeah, right. In the past he has, yeah. Uh, you know, it's all on him now. But a bit like Wokes, you know, an, an underestimated cricketer for many, many years. Uh, this is now his proper stage and this is where he belongs. Uh, and it was, yeah, it was great to see. But it was great to see everything today, wasn't it? I mean, even the fielding was brilliant. The outfielding was just superb, I thought. You know, the amount of Stokes was everywhere, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was, it, it was just the dream, you know. And then two, two openers go out. Yeah, both get runs, and then three and four, the the joint captains, if you like, the cross format captains, just see at home with eighteen overs to spare, which enabled us to do our work, which was very helpful. A lot of relieved journalists there. If you're an England fan, which I think at this stage of the tournament we can just claim, just admit ourselves to be, it's fine, right? A bit of yeah, it's it's been it's been nice for me, as I've said to you before. Covering the India game, I was a mess, like a schoolboy again. Mm. Today, lost lost my my what's left of my control very early on. I, I was not a dignified man when Warner nicked off to, to Chris Wokes. I'll tell you that for nothing. And I left my dignity at the ho- at home all day long, to be honest. So as as fans, as we can admit ourselves to be at this stage, uh, it was all the more special because it's against Australia, let's be honest. Uh, and I felt like Australia have managed to mask a few of their deficiencies in this tournament and we but we have talked about this i mean stoyness you've mentioned has been i think underwhelming is the word maxwell who's obviously an incredible cricketer on his day but just hasn't had a day in this in this tournament and then pete poor old pete hanscom coming in today who, has, who last played two weeks ago against Gloucestershire seconds uh he's despised isn't he well he, he's not i, I asked sam perry, listen, listen to the disdain with which yeah i asked sam perry about. this question a sort of leading question when, when he was on the show uh that is pete hanscom up to international cricket expecting him to say no but he said yeah he, think, he thinks he is but I'm still and I know he scored that brilliant ODI 100 against India a few months ago I'm yet to see any evidence that no. he is cut out for, for the top level but so, so more broadly on, on Australia it's very odd for an Australian side to say that this is a success but given the expectations given the, the three years two years that have led into this uh, their awful form in that period. Mm-hmm. This is probably a little bit above how we thought they'd do. Yeah, look, I, I feel a bit uncomfortable about this because there's the, the wisdom after the event thing going on here. But I think I'm, I've been more scared of the shirt than the, the people in it. And yeah, the spectre of Australia has been hard to avoid, I think. Mm. They've played some good cricket. They've played some really good cricket at Lords against England, I thought. But there's no, there's no doubt about it that in the end... If your big players don't fire every single day, then you are going to be shown up in the end. And, and that's that's what's happened really with this side. So much of it was that first hour. So much of it. It was a good toss for England to lose. Uh, and I said that at the time. I felt that at the time. I thought it, even though Morgan... And in fact, we spoke about this last night. The fact it, Morgan was always going to have to bat first because he'd already announced he was going to bat first. Mm. But it wasn't the time to bat first, I didn't think really, this morning. Uh, once you get rid of the top two... Smith's brilliant. Alex Carey is going to irritate you for the next 10 years, without a doubt. I mean, he's yeah. a top-class cricketer. Uh, and obviously, they have two good quicks. But after that, you know, it's a very, very limp and, and ordinary ordinary cricket team. Just something on, in brackets on Hanscom, it reminded me today. Ricky Ponting was on commentary when he was batting against England, right? And Ricky Ponting, In the Ashes. In the Ashes, yeah. yeah. Well, a year and a half ago now, yeah. my word. Uh, and he said about Hanscom, I'm sorry, but he's just not up to it. On air for Channel 9, whatever. Uh, he's now the assistant coach of yeah. Australia. He was watching Hanscom play today. 
And there's always that sense with Australia looking from the outside that everything's tickety-boo and they're all together. Well, I imagine there would have been some difficult conversations about his selection Absolutely. last and, night. And that's, that comment's not going to pass hands can buy, I wouldn't have thought. No. Um, he's Langer's boy, as Perry Perry said. He's, there we go. Langer's right, always backed him, so it, he's, he's Langer's pick. I mean, Matthew Wade would have been more logical given that he's been tearing up for a little while now in Australian domestic cricket and on this tour with Australia yeah. A, who are over in England at the moment. Um, yeah, it just struck me when Australia were playing this poorly today albeit against a very, very good England side, it struck me that Pakistan, maybe even South Africa, will be watching this thinking we'd have given England, yeah. a, be- we'd have given England a better match than this. Yeah, this has been one of the fascinations of the tournament, that all the teams are vulnerable. All the teams uh, can lurch from one extreme to the other. England have done that. They just turned up and, and played their best cricket today uh, and they were unstoppable. And there's no team around that would have stood next to them, stood up to them today. Uh, and arguably not many in history. I mean, they are that good. When mm. everything's working, they are that good. Even the players who didn't play well today still turned out one for 50 in, in, in their 10 overs. You know, Mark Wood was maybe a little bit too eager at times. Liam Plunkett wasn't quite as, you know, parsimonious as he normally is. But if you still look at their figures, they still played an important role in, in this this performance. And then when you think Ben Stokes, you know, he bowled four overs, hadn't really done anything else all game. And yeah. one of the great cricketers in the world just sitting on the bench. Joss Butler did a great run out. Nothing else. Yeah. Joss Butler's a phenomenon. Yeah. And so, yeah, astonishing. I'm all getting right. carried away. I'm sorry. No, no. It was, it was the day to get carried away. That's, abs- <laughs> that's absolutely fine, Phil. It's most unlike you, so I'm quite, uh, quite enjoying it. Um, <laughs> you never so, know what you're going to get. So uh, that leaves us with... Uh, one World Cup match and two podcasts to go. That's our style, isn't it? Why do one when you can always do two? Yeah, although you're only doing one. But, yeah, all right. But well, I'm, I don't, but I'm, I'm, I've got to do, go and do a meeting, yeah, haven't I? I've got a meeting. I've got to bring it's some money in. It's got an important meeting. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I will be back tomorrow with our World Cup final preview show and we have an excellent cast lined up. I'll be joined by Daniel Norcross of TMS, Jonathan Liu, the Independence Chief Sports Writer and Wisdom Cricket Monthly. I hope you get a word in. Of course. I <laughs> know, it's going to be hard, isn't it? Uh, and we'll also be hearing from Kiwi journalist Andrew Alderson who's lovely he is lovely uh, thankfully for Andrew he's not in the studio we're doing a phone call for that one so he'll, he'll get his own time Good. Uh, this has been the Wisdom Cricket Daily Podcast in partnership with Travel Bag creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979 as ever thanks for listening and do subscribe on Spotify or any of the other usual platforms if you haven't already see you at Lords on Sunday Podcast Network.